We're going to transition the children to their uh, experience. If you have any K through fifth graders, we have an uh, uh, experience tailored to them. Uh, they can follow Miss Whitney, and she will lead them back to the uh, area where we do that. Uh, of course, we also have child care for those younger kids. Of course, all of your children are welcome to stay throughout the entire worship. As our children transition, let's uh, pray together the prayer that we've been praying here during our Lenten season. Uh, this is the Lord's Prayer, although we are doing the Lord's Prayer out of the Common English Bible, so it is a little different. So uh, uh, let's bring that up on the screen, uh, and we will uh, pray that together. All right, let us pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom, so that your will is done on earth, as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Just continue uh, our prayer here as we transition to our teaching time. Lord, I just ask that as we step into your presence, as we gather together here and hear of your word, that you just be with us. Send your Holy Spirit upon us and truly lift us up into your city, into your gates, into your throne room, that we may stand at your feet, bow at your feet, lay uh, just on the floor in front of your awesome presence as we understand how truly you love us and how that love in turn just builds up in us and causes us uh, to do crazy things. We thank you and pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, welcome to New Life. Uh, you'll see there's some seating changes, <laughs> uh, playing around a little bit with some things. And uh, so uh, uh, we're always up for suggestions on anything. Feel free to uh, comment on that to us after service. I also want to welcome all of those who are joining us on our podcast. Uh, just a quick thing about that. We just started podcasting a couple weeks ago uh, during this series. Already, or, or as of last week, we had 55 people subscribing to our podcast nationwide. Uh, so just in the last four weeks, we've gone from a, a local community ministry to an international ministry, uh, which is pretty awesome. And so we're encouraging that podcast. If you have iTunes, you can go just uh, subscribe to our podcast. If you uh, uh, don't, you can just go on the website and listen to any of the sermons that you miss. But awesome ministry. We're reaching people uh, nationwide, and we just welcome all of you who are listening via our podcast. Uh, this is the fifth Sunday of Lent, a season devoted to growing closer to Christ uh, and also leading up to Easter. And this is the fifth Sunday, our fifth Saturday, therefore, of our Crazy Love series. Uh, for those of you who have missed a few weeks or have not been here earlier, uh, just a real quick review. There's a big, big God. Big God created heaven and earth. Uh, that big God created you and me. That same God loves all of his creation, including you and me. God loved us so much that he became real small. He became one of us in Jesus Christ. He lived, died, rose again. Uh, and that's why we're here. That's why we celebrate. That's what we're going to celebrate on Easter Saturday, that Jesus rose from the dead and offers us new life. Now, we tend to respond to that love in lukewarm ways, uh, not really hot, and not really cold, but God desires for us to truly be in love with him. Last week we said that when we love others, we love God. This week we're going to challenge ourselves to see how far that love can go. So this week our title is Obsess Much. Is there a picture of that? Yeah, I googled obsession, Calvin Klein obsession. Um, don't, don't do that. 
Just, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, growing up, this obsession has been around for a long time. And I remember, you know, some of these just weird, abstract, kind of, uh, you know, French noir. Uh, I, I, what's the thing for that? Uh, what's the sign for that? Um, you know, just really abstract commercials for obsession by Calvin Klein. Uh, so I was thinking, oh, maybe there would be some good images. Yeah, there's not um, on Google. Even with the safe search on, um, very high, it was, it was a little, um, little too much for me, and I just really felt like calling Kate Moss and telling her to eat a sandwich. Um, but that's a different story. <laughs> yes, yes, Todd. Yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. Now, he certainly wasn't small any other way, but uh, God became one of us uh, in, in Jesus Christ. And in that sense, he, the Bible says he, uh, he lowered himself in, in that very physical way. So we're talking about obsession, and we, we were at Kohl's this week, and you know I'd never looked at a bottle of that. I think it's like $70 to buy a bottle of that, uh, uh, bo- bottle of that cologne. And, and to me, that's maybe a little um, obsessive if you need that. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I guess if you buy it, Kate Moss comes to your house. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what else that, that would uh, pay for. Um, but to obsess means this. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about how to be obsessed with God. To obsess literally means to have the mind excessively preoccupied with a single emotion or topic. All right? I obsess over my work here at New Life. I obsess over the vision of the church. I obsess how to bring more people to Christ. I obsess how we can do ministry better. I obsess over my relationship with my wife. I obsess about how to be a better husband, uh, how, how to uh, just love her and show her love more every day. Uh, I obsess over silly things. You know, if I pick up a good book, I, I might just read that book all the way to its end. That's why I only generally read on my day off, uh, fiction books at least. You know, and I'll just read that book maybe one or two days. Uh, I obsess over other things. So maybe you have your own obsessions. Uh, maybe you're obsessed with sports or a, a certain team. Now, it's hard for me to be obsessed with sports because all of my favorite teams aren't very good. Uh, so maybe, maybe if your team is really good, it's, it's a little easier to get behind it. But maybe you obsess over things like uh, your finances. Maybe you obsess over things that aren't very healthy, things like pain and hurt, bitter feelings, even anger towards someone. But you obsess about God. Do you, as the definition reads, have a mind excessively preoccupied with Jesus Christ? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, if your answer is no, you're not alone. Uh, most of us put other things before Christ, before God, before the church. Uh, and and a really, our faith is way down on our list of priorities. Uh, so today we're going to look at what an obsession for God would look like. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the profile of the lukewarm Christian. Today we're going to talk about the profile of the obsessed Christian. First and foremost, uh, the obsessed are lovers. Sometimes we believe that being Christian means be nice, all right? I did a word study on nice in the Bible. I, I looked up, we, we have wonderful technology these days to be able to do this. Uh, before I would have had to go to my concordance and count everything. can do it just right on, online now on my computer. So I looked up nice in, in the Bible, every instance of the word nice. Now, you know what I, I found? I found nice was used to describe houses, food, clothes. It was actually described to, 
to, or actually used to describe the speech of the wicked. So not, not the speech of nice people, but uh, the Bible actually uses the word nice to describe people kind of with a, you know, a, a snake-like tongue, people who are kind of lying to your face, uh, even though they're saying nice words. So that's really not what being nice is all about. And we think maybe if we're nice, um, that people will know we're Christian, and people will then want to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I know a lot of nice people, many of whom who aren't Christian. So being a follower of Jesus Christ must mean something more than being nice. Here's what Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, and it comes from the sixth chapter of Luke. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those whom you expect to repay you, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act. For he is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate, just as your Father in heaven is compassionate. So, so are you hearing what Jesus said here in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, love your enemy. Now, this is the hard part because that, that sentence continues. Do good things for them. And this is the real hard part. Lend money to them, not expecting any payment in return. Uh, when was the last time anybody here <laughs> lent money to their enemy? <laughs> I don't even know how that would work. You know? do, you, do you have conversations with your, with your enemies that, uh, that work out like that? You know, a story really sticks in my mind when I read this passage, and it comes from uh, the town I grew up in. I grew up in a small farming community uh, not too far from here out west by the Mississippi River. And there we had uh, many. We had a grain elevator, of course. That was really the only thing we had in Fenton. And we also had a lot of uh, Amish people in our community and Amish people who would come to the elevator for food and uh, grain and feed for their animals. And I remember one story that just vividly sticks in my heart, and there's so many stories like it out there, especially of the Amish uh, communities and the Amish people. But one, one day they came in, a, a young Amish couple. They came in to get feed for their animals, and they told their little son, I, I don't remember how old he was, he was just maybe eight or nine, and they said, stay in the carriage while we go get the feed. Now their son didn't do that. He left the carriage, he went into the grain elevator, and actually fell down one of, one of the silos, one of the shafts, and died instantly. He was killed. Now think if that happened to you, if you have a child, uh, some of you have children who are around that age. What would your gut reaction be? I think most of us, Christian or not, our gut reaction would be to sue the farmer. It wasn't necessarily the farmer's fault. But that's how our society is set up. That's what we instinctively want to do. We want to put the blame on someone else. Well, this is what that young Amish couple did, and, and I remind you, Amish people are Christian, um, as are Mennonites. They came back to that farmer's house the next day, and they apologized for how their son had acted. They said, we told him to stay in the carriage. He didn't. We're taking full responsibility for this. Of course, the farmer, who was a friend of my family's, was heartbroken. His family was heartbroken. Uh, he just, that just laid on him very heavily. And so this young couple came week after week and month after month and even year after year and ca gave care 
to the farmer and his family. That's what loving your enemies, I think, is really all about. I think that's what loving others is really about. In the face of something terrible, they were able to look past what had happened and move towards what Christ wanted them to do, which was love their neighbor as their selves. Here's the quote. All of these on the screen are quotes from the book, so, so we don't get sued, I'm saying that. <laughs> People who are obsessed with Jesus Christ give openly without censure. They love those who hate them and can never love them back. They love those people who hate them and and have no desire and have no will to love them back again. That's what the obsessed are all about. Second, the obsessed are risk takers. You know, we like to pray pray prayers like, God, keep us safe during our travels. Jennifer and I have little uh, dash, no, they're not dashboard, they're, uh, they're on our little mirrors, on our little visors, little guardian angels in both of our cars. Maybe some of you have those. That's okay. But we do that because we want to be safe. You know, we, we pray for safety. We pray for safe travels. We pray uh, when, you know, when things get bad, when there's a bad storm, we pray for safety. We're, we're sometimes obsessed with being safe. But Jesus was obsessed with taking risks. Jesus called us to step out of our comfort zone. Before you travel, maybe your prayer should be, God, bring me closer to you as I travel, no matter what. That's the kind of prayer Jesus Christ would have prayed. Not keep me safe, but bring me closer to the Father. People who are obsessed with Jesus care more about God's kingdom coming to this earth than their own lives being shielded from pain or distress. Next, the obsessed are friends of all. Do you have any poor friends? I'm guessing most of us have friends who are a lot like us. Most of us have friends who are kind of within our you know, tax bracket given you know, maybe one or two steps. But Jesus was friends with the poor and the rich and everybody in between. Jesus was a friend of all. But if you read the gospel, he seemed to especially care for the poor and especially reach out to them because there wasn't a lot of people reaching out to the poor. And today there isn't a lot of people reaching out to the poor. People who are obsessed with Jesus live lives that connect them to the poor in some real way. Next, the obsessed are crazy. They're crazy ones. Have you ever done something for Christ that made people's jaw drop? That's the kind of actions of the obsessed. The author of the book we're uh, using as our source material, Crazy Love, Francis Chan, he decided to sell his family's house. A big, beautiful house. They have, I want to say, four children. Uh, Him and his wife have four children. They do, because that's what I have in my notes. They decided to sell their house and buy a house half the size of the one they were currently living in and give that extra money to the poor. That was something that he just felt on his heart that he wanted to do. And also the extra money that they saved over, you know, the expenses of having a smaller house to give that away as well. You realize that not one person in their life not one of their Christian friends, and Francis Chan pastored a church at this time of about five, 6,000. Not one person said, ooh, clock went off. Not one person said, we support this, or this is a good idea, or wow, what a wonderful opportunity. Everyone said, no, that's a terrible idea. Everyone said, you're crazy. What are you thinking? How, how are you going to do this to your family? But he says in his book that it was one of the best decisions they've ever made, and their family didn't suffer because of it. People who are obsessed with Jesus care more about obeying God 
than about meeting the expectations of others. That's the whole point. Next, the obsessed are humble. When it comes to pride, it's very easy to make everything about us. We like to make things about us. We like to recognize or we we want someone else to recognize when we've done something good, when we're doing good work. You know, it's easy as a preacher when someone says, wow, that was a great sermon or, uh, you know, the sermon really touched me this week. That doesn't happen very often. But when it does, you know, it makes you feel good. When someone says, wow, I, you know, I've gotten some calls during the week and people say, you know, I, this, the message just spoke to me today, and I really appreciate that. And it's, good, it, it's just easy for me to get caught up in that and say, wow, wow, I did a great job. But really what I'm doing isn't about me. It's from God, for God, to God, and everything else. And that's what we need to think about when we serve, when we're just living our lives, when we're sharing God's word in our homes, in our communities. It's not about you know, getting the kind of praise and recognition that we want because we're human and we, and we just like to feel good about ourselves. But we can feel good about just serving God in a real way. People who are obsessed with Jesus know that you can never be too humble and work to bring more of God's will into their life. Yeah. Next, the obsessed are servants. In my life in the church, I've heard the phrase over and over and over again, burnout. People get burned out because they serve on a committee for too long or people get burned out because they're in a, a, a ministry for too long. People get burned out because they're working too much. I believe when we are truly serving in the way God calls us, burnout is not an issue. I believe if you are serving the way God has called you to serve, burnout is not an issue. Now, if you're feeling burnout, maybe you're not serving in that way and we need to have a conversation. But I truly believe that. I believe that when you serve... When God calls you to serve and you answer, the only thing you experience is joy. And that joy grows and it grows and it grows and it just just becomes an obsession. People who are obsessed with Jesus take joy in loving God by loving others. That's what it means to have a servant's heart. Next, the obsessed are givers. Now, a lot of Christians and a lot of other people are takers. That would be the opposite of givers. They come to worship to be fed. I, I love that idea about, um, you know, I, I, I'm, coming, I'm coming to worship to be fed. My coach, uh, Brad Calajane, and he's out in Michigan, and he said, uh, the only people who need to be fed are who? In, in kind of, in, in growing up, you know, babies, right? The only people who need to be fed are babies. If you are a Christian growing closer to Christ, Don't think about being fed. Think about feeding others. Some people want to just take advantage of things, take advantage of the programs we have to offer, and that's wonderful. That's why we're here, one of the reasons we're here. But as an obsessed follower of Jesus Christ, we have to realize that we can be sacrificial givers. We can give. And when Christians truly give, that's when the world takes notice. It's easy for the world to look outside and come in here and and see, well, you take communion, you take offering, <laughs> you want to take our money, you want to take our time. That's not what we do. We want to offer people an opportunity to give. And when people give in amazing and awesome ways, other people take notice. Jesus says it like this in the book of Matthew. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When you are truly giving of yourself People take notice. 
People who are obsessed with Jesus are known as givers, not takers. They genuinely believe that others matter as much as they do. Next, the obsessed are sojourners. A sojourner is someone who takes a temporary residence in a place. That is, that's the definition of the word, to take temporary residence in a place. Most of us think a whole lot about here and now. We think a whole lot about our life today, our life on earth. But if you think even 100 years, even 100, uh, how, how old is uh, uh, Bill up at Wesley Willows, 107, uh, 106, 107? Uh, even 107, 108 years old, that is a very small amount of time compared to eternity. Technically speaking, a Googleplex, which is one one in 100 zeros, if you live that long, it would be a short amount of time compared to eternity. Really anything, right, is a small amount compared to eternity. So we're asking ourselves to really think about being temporary residents of earth. That's what Christ calls us to do, to be sojourners. People who have taken a temporary residence, but who are called to think about the life to come. People who are obsessed with Jesus think about heaven frequently. They are focused on eternity, not just what is in front of them. Next, the obsessed are engrossed. Now, I'm not a gambler myself, but I do enjoy games enough that I enjoy games of chance, and I enjoy some of the casino games. Uh, and that includes uh, the game Texas Hold'em Poker. I don't know if some of you have played Texas Hold'em or watched it on TV. I love watching it on TV. I don't know why. It's kind of ridiculous to watch poker on, on TV. But uh, there, there is a move you can make in Texas Hold'em called going all in. Are you familiar with that? That's when you can basically put all of your money on the line. Uh, and it's really only in No Limit Texas Hold'em that you can do that. Now, when I play Texas Hold'em, I usually go all in within one or two rounds. You know, I'm, that's, that's not a real good way to play, um, but, but when it works, you know, one out of ten times, you do real well if, if you win. But that, that's how we need to be in our life uh, with Jesus Christ. Uh, we need to be all in. Jesus Christ says, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your strength, and your soul. People who are obsessed with Jesus are characterized by being committed, settled, and passionate love uh, lovers of God, above and before every other thing. Next, the obsessed are unguarded. Now, we like to put up a lot of walls in our lives, and we put up walls to keep people out, right? We do it with strangers. We do it with coworkers. Uh, we even do it with families and friends. We kind of keep them at an arm's length. That was something I was real good at, uh, good at in my life. We actually read the first example of this in Genesis. After Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what did they do? Anybody know? Uh, well, they covered themselves a little bit later. Well, yeah, no, that, that's, okay, that's probably correct. They covered themselves. And then what did they do? They hid. Think, now think about that for a second. Has anybody ever tried to play hide and seek with God? They hid. It just, it just cracks me up when you think about that. They hid. You can't hide from God. You can't put up walls behind God. It happens again in the very next story. You know the story of Cain and Abel? Uh, Adam and Eve's uh, first two children. Now they had other children, but their first two children, Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother because God honored Abel's sacrifice more than Cain's sacrifice. We don't know why it doesn't say. So this is what happened. Cain kills his brother like 
you know, this is, this is back a long time ago. Kills his brother maybe with a, a tool, maybe with his bare hands. He's covered in blood, covered in his brother's blood. And God comes up to him and says, Where, where's your brother? And what does Cain say? I'm, I'm not my brother's keeper. I don't know. Covered in blood, covered in blood. Get, get that image in your head. We put up walls to hide from God. But that's ridiculous because, because God knows you better than you know yourself. So the obsessed, when they have a relationship with God, they realize, I can't hide my sin from God. I can't hide my shame from God. I can't hide, you know, I can't hide God at all. God knows me. God sees me. God knows everything about me. People who are obsessed with Jesus are raw with God. I love that. That comes from the book. I just love that sentence. They are raw with God. They don't attempt to mask the ugliness of their sins or failures. They have no walls between them and God. Hmm. Next, the obsessed are rooted. Do you realize the average Christian, now I, I think this is, I think this is a little high, but this is what the book said. The average Christian spends 10 minutes a day with God. I, I don't think that's probably, I think it's much less than that. But the average Christian, not the average person in America, the average person who considers themselves a follower of Jesus Christ spends 10 minutes of God, a, day of God, uh, a day with God. Do you know how many uh, minutes the average American spends watching TV every day? I have to remember, turn it into minutes here. Somebody guess. 470. Okay, about half of that. <laughs> that was, is that, that's about how much you guys, no, I know that's not true. About four hours a day watching TV. About four hours a day. Now, I don't know where those four hours come, um, but, uh, but that's average. They say that's average, so that means there are people watching more TV than that. The only way to follow Jesus Christ is to be rooted in the Word, which is the Bible, and to be in constant communication with God, which is through prayer. People who are obsessed with Jesus have an intimate relationship with God and are nourished by his word throughout the week, not just a couple hours on Saturday night. We had a wonderful time last week. I, we worshiped for an hour and 45 minutes, and no one complained. Now you're going to come up and complain afterwards. But <laughs> I, I didn't hear one complaint, and I remember growing up in the church, if we went an hour and one minute, people were out the door. Uh, literally, people walked away if, if it was more than an hour. And so that's a wonder, that was a wonderful experience. And I, man, I just thank all of you for being part of that. But it doesn't end there. It goes on, and it continues. Next, the obsessed are dedicated. Part of the American dream says, uh, we desire the pursuit of happiness. But that is a fleeting dream, because you can spend your entire life chasing it and never truly have it. Because happiness comes from the word happenstance. And happenstance is just that. It is a, a series kind of of random events that affect uh, how you live and how you feel. So happiness is dependent on outside sources. Happiness is dependent on other things. Think about this for a second uh, and then try to decide if you could be happy after this. E let's say you just had the greatest night, you had the greatest day, you had the greatest month. But the next day, it's Monday morning, you wake up and it's raining outside. It's dark, it's cloudy, there's thunder, there's lightning. The power went out during the night, so that means your alarm didn't go off. And, you know, your battery backup, some people are smart enough to have that. Um, that went out too. So you're already late for work. 
You get in the shower and the hot water isn't working. All right? Picture going in your head. All that's happened, you get in the car and the car doesn't start. Battery's dead. So you've been up for about an hour. Try being happy if all that stuff's happened, right? Can you be happy? It, it affects, you know, those things affect us. But Jesus doesn't promise us happiness. He talks about happiness, but that's not what he promises us. He promises us joy. The difference between happiness and joy is happiness depends on our emotions, on our circumstances, and actually it, it depends on the people around us. But joy comes straight from God. And once you have it, it cannot be taken. It cannot be dampened. People who are obsessed with Jesus know that happiness is fleeting, but in Christ we can experience joy that never, ever fades. That joy grows as we train ourselves and we grow in Christ. Finally, the obsessed sacrifice. Throughout history, people have given gifts to God and other gods, not even our God, but you know, all the pagan gods, people would sacrifice things to them. Those gifts were uh, considered a sacrifice. You know, they would sacrifice grain or something from their crops. People would sacrifice animals. For millennia, people sacrificed animals. Even in parts of the world, people sacrificed other humans. That was a, a big part of some religions. Thankfully, not uh, any of our religions, uh, but uh, any of our tradition. But in other religions, that was a big part of it. The Apostle Paul says, however, in the book of Romans, and uh, just read from chapter 11 here for just a couple of sentences. He says, Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Talking about God. For from God and through God and to God are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever. <clears throat> Amen. Have you ever tried to shop for a friend who has everything? My brother and sister-in-law, you know, they're well off and uh, I, I love them and they, they just have everything. If they need something, they'll, they'll get it. They don't live in, in grandeur, but, you know, they don't, they don't need a lot of things. And sometimes it's hard to shop for them. My parents are sometimes the same way. It's hard to shop for them. But try to think about shopping for God. <laughs> God who created all things, who has all things, and to him, all things uh, are deserving and who things all are for. God created all things to be for him. That's what I was trying to say. God doesn't want small gifts. He doesn't want sacrifice. God wants us. Jesus reminds us that to truly honor and love God, the only sacrifice that matters is ourselves. When we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, we honor and glorify God. People who are obsessed with Jesus let go of trying to earn God's love and instead offer a sacrifice of self to be perpetually grateful for all that Jesus has done for them. I want you to spend some time this week thinking about your obsessions. What consumes your time? Think about it. What, what, what really do you invest in? What do you spend your time thinking about? Stop during this week and, you know, as you find your mind uh, just kind of thinking over things or as you spend your time consumed by something, think about, what are my obsessions? Now I'm going to challenge that. I want everyone here today and those listening online, I want to spend 15 minutes a day, every day this week, that's five minutes more than average, with God. I want you to spend 15 minutes a day thinking about God. I'm not talking about necessarily praying. 
uh, and especially not praying for others. I'm not talking about intercession. I'm not talking about praying for your meals. I'm not even talking about doing a devotional. Some of you do devotional books. I do it as well. Uh, That's wonderful. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even really talking about uh, reading the Bible. Okay, and and all of those things are great. All we have to do all those things. Please, please believe me. Uh, we need to spend a lot of time in this book and a lot of time together and a lot of time studying. But I want you to spend 15 minutes a day just thinking about God. We don't really do it very much. Sometimes we get too obsessed by doing certain things and we forget that. Sometimes we just need to stop and think about God. So put yourself in a position, and I know it's going to be hard, but for 15 minutes a day, find wonderful ways to think about God. If you want to find a place without distraction, that's going to be great. Maybe it's the car. Turn off the radio. Don't turn on the radio. Turn off the radio. Just think about God as you're going to work. Maybe it's in the bathroom. Now, there's a funny thing in our, our Jewish brothers and sisters. Above every door in their house, there's a little box or there's a little saying. In an Orthodox home, there would be a little box with a scroll in it. And on that scroll, it would say, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole uh, soul, and your whole strength. That's the Shema, and that's, uh, of course, what Jesus uh, riffs on from the uh, great commandment when he says, love the Lord your God with your whole self, your whole heart, your whole mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So they have that written on every door in their house, every entrance to every place, except the bathroom. So I'm not really sure about the theology of that, but... I can tell you, in terms of putting up walls, God, God sees in there. Just, I mean, it's true. I, I don't necessarily want you to think about that too much. Uh, but there, there, there's no way we can hide from God. You know, that's my point. You know, unless, unless your bathroom has lead paint, then because God can't see through lead. So I think, no, wait, that's, no, that's, that's somebody else. That's somebody else. We, we need God all the time. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about, Todd. Yeah, well, yeah, some, amen to that. Um, we, we've had similar experiences, I see. Um, the, the idea is, you know, find some place where you can just shelter yourself. Uh, you know, and you can do it with your husband, you can do it with your wife, you can do it with your children. That's wonderful. I'm not saying you have to be alone. But think about God. Talk about God. Spend 15 minutes a day thinking about God. If you need something physical, you know, light a candle and just look at that candle. Look at that flame and remind you that the Holy Spirit's just there in your life, in your heart, in yourself. I think when we do that, even if you really don't have any idea who God is, I think something's going to happen. Actually, I'm going to promise, I'm going to promise that if you do that every day this week, something wonderful is going to happen in your life. Something powerful is going to happen in your heart. And if it doesn't, uh, you know, I'm even willing to put some money on the line. If you can come here next week and say, every day I spent 15 undistracted minutes with Jesus Christ and nothing happened, I am willing to, I'm, I'm willing to support that. I'm willing to hear you stand up and I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. I believe that something wonderful will happen. So I ask you, do that, spend some time with God, and just start obsessing. Because that's what we're talking about. Spend some time with God. Challenge yourself. Stop doing and start obsessing. Amen. Let's transition to our praise time. As we do, I just uh, I, I want to share just uh, just amazing things. 
are happening in this congregation. I'm so blessed. Uh, and, and we're blessed together. This is just a, a wonderful opportunity. And there are uh, stories that I want to start sharing, stories that I want to start uh, bringing to your attention uh, all throughout this week. Today I talked about the fact that our podcast ministry has basically gone international. Uh, we are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people all across this country. Uh, wonderful, wonderful thing. Not, not everybody can say that. Uh, and so we're going to talk about kind of the cool things that are happening here at New Life uh, things that uh, have just happened here in the last couple months. And so know that these things are happening. We're going to share them with you. Uh, and and as, we praise to God, as we praise God together, realize we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to worship God for. Uh, let's transition now um, into a time of prayer as we move into the praise part of our service. Uh, after that, the, uh, there will be a time to offer of yourselves uh, in terms of our offering and, and offer of your gifts, and uh, the ushers will come around. But before we do that, uh, let's just enter a time of prayer, remembering those who are not here, uh, remembering those who need God's love in a special way today. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just ask that we stand in your presence now as we transition to worship and praise, as we just stand in your house, as we're just together as your family. As we sit before your table, we just ask that you allow us to honor and worship you with our hearts and our minds and our words and our passion. We ask that you help us remember that there are others who aren't here tonight, friends of this church, members of this church. We just ask that you help us remember them, share with them what we've learned, the passion we have. Help us remember that there are others who need your love today, those who are ill, those who are alone, those who are lost, those who are recovering. Please just shed your grace upon them and be with them in a special way today. Be with the poor and the hungry. Be with the homeless and the naked. Help us engage them in real ways that we can truly be your hands and feet in a world who is so desperate for you. Be with the leaders of the world, the leaders of this nation, the leaders of our community, newly elected. We ask that you just shed your light upon them. Even if they don't call you Lord, we ask that you just help guide them so that together we can stand in your kingdom, that we can move forward towards your holy, holy throne, your holy throne. Most of all, we ask that you be with the church. We be with all of those people who call themselves congregations of followers of Jesus Christ, all of those people who consider themselves part of the body. We ask that you just lift your church up, that you help us be a light to all nations, to all people, sharing that new life that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again for us with them. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. 